0: one last announcement uh i wanted to thank nathan mcgill he has been going around the church changing light bulbs um, and making sure that we are able to see uh, around here so thank you nathan for all your hard work we really appreciate it so if you are able to go down a hall and can turn on the lights thank you thank you nathan thank god and nathan We do have a request though as part of that. Um, You see a big machine over here on my left and your right. We have to get that thing onto the stage in order to change some of these lights up here that have been broken for years. So we're asking for any able-bodied men and women, uh, if you will, after service, we gotta get that here. um, And it's gonna take some work because it's, it's very, very heavy. So if you've got some time and can meet us right after service, right here, uh, we'll get to it, and we'll get it up there, and we'll be done with that. Um, so please help us out if you can. And we've got to figure out how to get it down later. All right. Go ahead and get started. This morning, um, these past couple of weeks as I've been speaking, I've I've really been praying about, you know, what it is that the Lord wants me to share who we are, what we do, why we're here. Uh, I started with the fivefold, progressed into truth, and, and as I was praying about today, uh, one of the things that that really struck with me was the word saint. And I thought, okay, great, you know, I, I can speak on the saints, but that's that's you know foundational. Everybody knows, everybody should know what a saint is. Everybody knows that. So so really, what is it that you want me to to get to, Lord? Maybe I should go and speak on such and such. No, 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 saint. I just kept hearing the word saint. So I said, all right, well, let me do a study on saint and see what it really means. And, and I'll be honest with you. When this concept first came to our church, to me, it was one of the most confusing. I, I understood the fivefold. I understood seven spirits. I got it. There was a lot of scriptures involved in there, and not that there isn't on this one, but um, there was so many things that that to me were um, life-changing this one, to me, was hard to, to grasp that way. What, what does this really mean, and how does it impact me as an individual to be a saint? And, and so, uh, again, just being honest, for the longest time, I just didn't get it. I, I didn't understand what it meant. So when you look at Scripture, um, it's not in, in the list here. I'm going to read because I just opened my Bible and happened to fall on here. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, Philippians 1.1. Right there, saints. And, and as you read through scripture, especially in the New Testament, you're going to see that a lot. Paul, an apostle to the saints, um, saints who have gone before, all these things about the saints. And so whenever I heard the word saints, I, I would think in the back of my mind, well, don't you just mean good Christians? Isn't isn't a saint a good Christian? I've heard pastors speak on this, and He's talked about uh, the Catholic Church. I used to be Catholic, and the Catholic Church and how they treat sainthood and the miracles and all the things that have to happen as, as part of that. Um, for me, saints were just really good Christians, and, and when I really, really took the time to study this particular aspect, it, it began to open my eyes to really what it is that we're accomplishing here in this church and this network. Uh, and, and what God wants for every single individual here in this earth, but not all will achieve it. So let me be clear. You don't have to be a saint to be a Christian, or saint to, to go to heaven, or a saint to love God. That's not what we're saying here. When, when we talk about the saints, it's a group of individuals, or an individual, who has dedicated their life to following the the leading edge of what God is doing out there in this world. You can be a Christian and, and be passive about your relationship. You can know Jesus and and have invested some time into what's going on, but not given everything that you have. And, and you would think, well, that's that's kind of contrary to how we have talked about Christianity. I, I have uh, many friends who who call themselves Christian. And, and it doesn't matter what um, denomination they're a part of, Baptist, uh, Methodist, Catholic. It, it really doesn't matter. They call themselves Christian. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that he died on the cross for them. And, and through that belief, according to the Bible, through that belief, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, they are saved and therefore going to heaven. And that's great. Every single one of us went through that, goes through that when you become a Christian. To be a saint really pushes you to a new place in your relationship with God. And that's what was so hard for me to understand because when I was first saved, I thought, well, doesn't everybody want to be the best possible version of Christian that they can be? And, and forsaking all and moving forward and recognizing the places in you that have to change and have to move on. Isn't that what every single person wants to do when they become saved, and, and the answer is really no. No, there's many people out there who just want to live in this world the way that it's lived, but, but, but they believe in Jesus, they believe in his sacrifice, and, and um, they love God. You know, I, I, <laughs> I saw an interview the other day with um, Jamie Fox, and, and he was raised Baptist, and, and he, was, he was on a call with somebody um, they had just done a movie, and he was being interviewed, and, and then he began to just quote all the books of the Bible, just one from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, just started boom, 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 saying it out loud, and, and went through all of that. Um, you, he, he is very big on his faith. I, I would, uh, and I'm not judging him, I, I would look at his life and not necessarily have thought that he was a Christian just because of all the other things that happened. And and so it's very easy for us to judge others based on how we live our life, how we think about the Bible, and this is not that message. I'm not here to judge people based on what they do or don't do. I want to make very clear to the world, to those listening here, what is a saint based on all the scriptures that we are going to read today um, based on what the Bible says and how it differentiates itself from Christianity. Because there is a difference. You can be a Christian and love the Lord and, and continue living in this world. You can. It's, it, it is possible to do those things. There are going to be people in heaven that will surprise you. Let me tell you, how did you get here is probably something that you'll say. Because, because Jesus died for them, and that's a wonderful thing. He died for them, and despite how they live their lives or the, the, the way that I might judge them and look at them and say, oh yeah, they're definitely not gonna be there, despite all of that, God wants people to come to repentance and to come to know him, and, and so he has made it very simple in my eyes. You, you believe with your heart, and you confess with your mouth, and there are many, many people out there like that, and that, that is a wonderful thing. I look forward to seeing some surprises in heaven. But I want to talk about the saints and what that means and how you as an individual, as a Christian, can come to the place of being a saint. And it starts here um, at the top of your sheet with the, uh, the Hebrew. I wanted to share the Hebrew with you because I thought it was very uh, interesting. So, so the word is kadash, and, and it means it's translated uh, many times in the Bible as an angel, a saint, a sanctuary, holy one it's translated as uh holy or sacred and and the final one my one of my favorites set apart so to be a saint means to be set apart and and like i have told you before uh, i've been really diving into uh, the hebrew language and, and how it all fits together so i've put there for you in this sheet the 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 breakdown of the hebrew letters that make up this word so uh, the, the Q, the D, the V, and the S. Those those four letters create the word kadash. And and really, when you look at the root of those words, the word kaf means last. Daleth is door or a path. Va is a nail or something that is bound to. And then uh, shin or sin is a peak or something sharp. So when you look at the delineation of the word kadash in the Hebrew language, basically what it's saying is it's the last it's the final thing that you have to do when you are down this path of being nailed to or bound to the the bleeding edge of what God is doing. That's what this word means. You are bound to this path of sharpness. It's also translated, that word sin is used when talking about teeth, when, when you talk about destroying, when you're breaking something. So, so at its base part, when you talk about St when you talk about being a saint it truly means something destructive you have you have to let go of what you've had before you have to tear it apart it's the it's the final thing that's going to happen down your path leading to your relationship with god that's what sainthood is all about and and we see this here in psalms chapter 16 beginning in verse 1 preserve me O god for in thee do i put my trust O my soul thou hast said unto the lord thou art my Lord, my goodness extends not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. Harsh, harsh language. Old Testament is very harsh. You see this right here. But to the saints that are in the earth, to the excellent. Those that have that have dedicated their life to a more excellent way down the path of following God, that is where he his delight is in. Their sorrow is going to be multiplied if they leave that place. Why? Because they have dedicated themselves to something that is uh, revolutionary in their relationship with God. So yeah, you could be a passive Christian. You can be there sitting on the pew and doing whatever it is that you want to do. But these people that rise up and say, no, I want more of God, more of God, that's where his delight is in and and where sorrow can come in when they say, no, never mind. I I don't want that anymore. It's very difficult. In Hebrews, we see another passage uh, in that same vein Uh, where where people have left what they believed in and how difficult it is for them to come back to repentance seeing as they crucify Christ all over again, Hebrews 11. That same type of of thought process here. People who have dedicated in in an excellent way to what God wants to do in their life. So let's look at some more examples here in the the New Testament. Acts chapter 26, verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to To the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Let me pause for a second. Let me give you some context. Rather than just put in all the scriptures, I'm just going to tell you what happened. So Paul is, um, he's captured. They want to put him in jail. They want to put him away for life. They want to beat him. He's been saying some things about Jesus and and miracles and doing all these great things. And, And people have seen this and they're offended. And so they arrest him. When they arrest him. Um, He says, but hey, wait a minute, just so everybody's very clear on this, I am a citizen uh, of Rome. And so by doing this, you're going against the the Roman citizenship. And they're like, oh, great. Well, we didn't know that. We're so sorry. Because you're a Roman, there are certain things that have to happen um, from a a court standpoint. Uh, You know, they have to be very judicious, have to go according to the law, blah, blah, blah. And so because he said that, they have to take him to a higher and higher court in order to administrate this, okay? He is in a place now where he is standing in front of Caesar and they're like, okay, tell us, tell us what you want to tell us. Let's hear your case. So he begins telling them his life story. He begins to let them know that, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I was a Jew, I believed this, and then I got to a place where uh, Jesus saved me, he changed me, he made me blind, then he made me see, and that's where I am now. And so he continues on in verse 9, I thought with myself that I should do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. I didn't like it. I hated it. I was a Jew, and then you're telling me here that the Messiah is here, and his name is Jesus, and, and you guys are fighting for him. So I, I rose up and became the, the biggest uh, opponent of Jesus and anybody who believed in him. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. He's talking about the saints here. So let me, let me show you where the delineation comes. When you think about your relationship with God and, and the way that you express yourself out in the workplace, just thinking about today and in the natural, when you think about your relationship and how you express yourself, how flamboyant are you in your relationship? Many people tend to pull back. I, I tend to pull back and, and express my relationship at work Because I want to try to keep it as professional as possible because there's laws against it. I've got to be very careful, especially as a manager. I don't start off my meetings with a a word of prayer. I I don't say, God bless everybody. I don't do things like that. It's not because I'm afraid. It's not because I'm worried that I'm going to get arrested or anything. I don't want to offend these people. Uh, I have to work with them. I don't want to get called on through HR, all of that good stuff. Again, it's not about fear. It's about being professional, right? That does not prevent me, however, I've told you this before, you've heard me say things about this, does not prevent me from sharing my faith. When I'm on a, a one-on-one situation, I absolutely will share my faith. When people ask me, hey, I heard you're a pastor. Yep, absolutely, I'm a pastor. You want to hear more? Yeah, I would like to hear more. Great, let me tell you, you have now invited me to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you as much as I can about Jesus. So I'm not afraid to share my faith, but I am very tactful when it comes to the sharing of that faith. When you look at these people here, what they were doing back then, many people were coming to know Jesus through the disciples, through the apostles, right? So the apostles would go out, they would they would preach, they would teach, they would do miracles, and many, many of the Jews began to turn and and become Christians, Christ followers based on their testimony. Many of them received it in their heart, and they were quiet about it. And they, they stood in the background, they said, Yep. I was a Jew, but now I'm a Christian, but I'm not necessarily going to go out and make it known. Then there was another type of person that says, This has saved me. This has changed me. This is bigger than anything that I've ever known before, and I've got to be a part of it. So I'm going to put myself out there and be a proselyte, an evangelist for. Christianity I'm going to let everybody know about Jesus I am going to shout it from the rooftops that Jesus Christ is Lord those are the people those are the people that Paul was going after the ones that were standing up and saying that Jesus is the risen Lord not the ones staying in the background because there were many of those The ones that were rising up and putting themselves out there to say, hey, there is more to this relationship uh, with God than just standing in the background and receiving it for yourself. It's not about me and my relationship. It's about my relationship with God and getting it out there for others to benefit from it as well. That is who he was persecuting. Those are the people that we're calling the saints. Let's look at another one. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. We, we read that as speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit, the, that, that um, uh, burden that comes upon us as we pray. And he that searches the hearts, verse 27, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of of God, why do the saints need intercession? Don't all people need intercession? You could read this passage and say, oh, he ma- he's making intercession for, for the Christians. Well, well the, but the Christians are saved. The Christians are the ones that, that have now received him and are going to heaven. What, what is this intercession that you are looking for? What, why are you doing that? Why are you making intercession for the saints? I contend to you that he's not making intercession for Christians. He's making intercession for the saints, those who have set themselves apart, who are in the front lines, who have said, I'm going to put myself out there. And because I'm putting myself out there, what does that mean for me? A, temptation. You will be tempted harder than anybody else because why? You've got to be better than everybody else. And I'm not saying that saints are better than Christians. I'm just saying that you've got to Put yourself out there and try to be better. You're, you're, you're set, you've, you've set yourself apart, and there's intercession going on for you because of that. Because the enemy is going to target you first and foremost. Why worry about the person in the back who says, yep, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to hold it to myself. Why worry about that person at all? What, what, what's the concern there, enemy? Well, I'm not worried about that guy. I'm worried about the one that's going out there and preaching the gospel, who's out there attempting to do miracles, who's calling on the name of Jesus, who's changing lives and impacting people. That's the guy that I'm gonna go after. That's the woman that scares me. That's what the enemy says. And so Jesus, the spirit makes intercession for those people knowing that temptation's coming after them first and foremost. And B, the idea that the world will hate you because of that. That the world will come after you and, and they'll call you a, 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 a right-wing activist and they'll say that, that you can't uh, talk to people like that anymore, that times have changed, that you've gotta be more inclusive. Those are the people that are gonna get attacked. And so the spirit makes intercession for the saints that are putting themselves out there and saying, no, we're gonna make a stand, that is wrong. It doesn't follow truth. I spoke about truth last week. It doesn't follow truth, so I'm going to stand up against it. Well, guess what? When you stand, you will be attacked. I'm not on Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook. For those of you who are on Facebook, uh, my wife has told me stories about this, and post something that people just don't like, they will jump on you quick. All sorts of comments. My, my wife has made some very innocuous, just you know, lightly, lightly controversial, controversial comments. And man, people come out of the work work and say, I completely disagree. You are so wrong, blah, blah, blah. And they will attack. It's not just a a friendly disagreement. It's not a conversation. It's an attack. Because you're not face-to-face, and so you're not really having to interface with somebody. You're just typing it, and you're angry, and "Ah," and you send it out there. And maybe you repent afterwards. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But they're willing to just throw it out there. This this place is, is horrible. That's what spirits making intercession for the saints because they put themselves out there and you know you will be attacked We see this more in, in third world country we're not really a third world but you think about somewhere like China where, where the oppression uh, is, is much more um, exposed I guess right where, where you ha- you cannot be a Christian you have to be you truly have to be underground to be a Christian and and the Christianity that they do allow is is very very, um, segmented, it, it's very um, by the book and it's, it's um, sponsored by the government. You can say only these things, that's really what that is. But to be a true Christian, to be a saint in a place like that means your life. You will die if you let people know that. That's what Romans 8 is all about. Look at 1 Corinthians 16. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring you liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. What is this talking about? What is this talking about? Concerning the collection for the saints. They are taking up an offering. That's all it is they're taking up an offering. For who? The saints. Well, who are the saints? These people, notice they didn't call them apostles, they called them saints, but these people were basically apostles. They were basically people who, have, who had risen up and said, I want to make sure that this gospel is preached. I, I, have a, I, I function in the fivefold. I have a gift of healing or a gift of prophecy. Uh, or something like that. I'm going to go from place to place, from church to church, and I'm going to minister this. I'm not necessarily an evangelist, even though that, that was part of it. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a minister of the gospel to the churches that are around the world. And what, what Paul was saying here was, look, now concerning when these people come to you, you guys need to take up an offering and, and give them that money. Why? because these people have sacrificed everything to give to the kingdom of God. They don't have a day job. They're not working and catching fish or or sewing baskets or anything like that. This is their job. We, as a body, need to take care of them. We need to make sure that 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 they are able to travel. They need money for boats. They need money for lodging. If you can lodge them, even better. If you can feed them, even better. But they need money for this. So take up an offering get a collection going, and start making an offering for the saints. That's what our Saints Network offering is really about. How do we get this money to be used to when we go out and minister to the various locations that we go to? That's what the collection is for, and that's what Paul was saying right here. These saints have set themselves apart from just the the natural Christian, and they're moving forward into something new, and we as a church body, you as a church body, Need to take care of them. So it's different than the general church. They're different from the regular Christians. All right. I have three pages. You have two. I try to shorten it for you. I apologize if the, the words are really tiny. I wanted to get it on on two pages. This led us to an understanding of the fivefold. This is, this is really where it came out. Several, several years ago when we, we started all this, pastor told me, I'm writing a book. I'm writing three books. The first book, The Saints. The second book is uh, Diverse Tongues. And the third one is Pneumaticos. Those are the three books that I'm writing. And, and I heard that you like to do Photoshop and, and have some artistic skills. Can you make me three book covers? Uh, I was young at the time and I thought, yeah, you know, this is great. Just learning the, the program, I would love to be a part of this and, and help you out. So. My first stab at working on a book was Diver's Tongues. The second one I did was Pneumaticos. And then the third book that I, book cover that I created was The Saints. Those are available down there, down the hall if you want to look at them. Uh, many of you can see them online uh, and have purchased them. Those were the three books that started all of this journey for us. The fourth book, uh, I didn't do the cover for. Pastor Paul wrote it about ministering with the angels. But those are the first four books that came out of this church, that began all of this stuff that we're doing right now. Those three books, Diverse Tongues, Pneumatokos, and the Saints, were were what started this journey for me. I understood Pneumatokos. Again, I understood Diverse Tongues and what we were trying to say. The Saints, however, was more difficult for me to understand. That's why I worked on that one last. But out of that ministry... Then came the understanding of the revelation of the fivefold. How? Ephesians chapter 4. I spoke on this uh, a couple weeks ago, or was it last week? No, two weeks ago. Uh, the fivefold. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This makes way more sense to me now that we read it in the context of those people who who have set themselves apart. The saints are the ones who do the ministry. What ministry are they doing? They're they're functioning in the fivefold at various churches around the world. They it, the fivefold is used to perfect that individual and make them a better saint, if you will, and it it edifies as they're ministering to the church, it edifies the body of Christ. It lifts it up into a place, right? This is an aspirational scripture of how we should be thinking here on this earth. We need to be moving, functioning in the fivefold, in the fullness of the context of what God wants for every single one of us. That's the fivefold. Again, I spoke on it it two weeks ago. I feel it was pretty comprehensive, so if you need to go back to that, that's what led us to the fivefold from this concept of the saints. In that... We also saw this scripture, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty seven. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Again I read this one, and God hath set some in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues? You all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Diverse tongues is where we what we saw here, what Pastor saw, and the revelation that that God gave to him was around what is diverse tongues. And how is this different than the regular tongues that we speak that we preach about in, in Pentecostal circles? Right, so we knew about tongues. This, this church has been dabbling in tongues for a very, very, very long time before all of this stuff. The, the ministry of speaking in tongues is a beautiful, wonderful thing. What, what we came to recognize, and Pastor Preaches on this all the time, uh, is that many people start with a tongue and they will stay with that tongue for the remainder of their life. And, and for a very long time, when I first started out of this church, I recognized that as well, that you could, you could know who was praying based on the way the tongue was coming out. Not necessarily the way that their voice sounded, but the words that were coming out because they were saying the exact same words over and over and over and over and over again. That was their, that was their prayer language. They were praying in that, and that was great, beautiful, wonderful. That, that's how I got my start as well. I would pray in the Spirit, and when I prayed in the Spirit, it was basically the, the, pretty much the same thing over and over those were my tongues but then this concept of diverse tongues came out and and we got a new understanding of what diverse tongues really is let's look at 1 corinthians 12 chapter four i'm sorry verse four so this comes before the verse that i just read there are diversity of diversities of gifts but the same spirit and there are differences of administrations but the same lord and there are diversities of operations but it is the same god which works all in all the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal, to profit everyone. For to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the self-same Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. So what I learned growing up in this church was that anybody can speak in tongues. If you so desired, you can speak in tongues. But we also saw this passage and we said, not everybody is going to be able to get the word of wisdom, get the word of knowledge, uh, have the faith, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles. Those, those are gifts that are given to individuals. And many times they only get one, Sometimes they get two or three. Sometimes there's... Testing. There we go. I'm back. See if I can remember what I was saying. All right. So what we learned was that you could have these gifts, but you're not going to have all of the gifts. They're, they're reserved for you. You're going to function in one or two of them, but you're not going to function in all of them necessarily. So So we can say, based on that, that looking at verse 10... Diverse kinds of tongues was reserved for a very specific type of individual, a saint. Someone who's going to go forth and say, I want more of the Lord. What does diverse tongues really do for us? What does it do? It pushes the envelope of, of your spiritual understanding. It pushes the envelope of what you are accustomed to and gets you to a new place. Why do we pray in diverse tongues? Why not just pray in the Spirit? Are we saying that praying in the Spirit is ineffective or unnecessary It's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is when you pray in the spirit, you're praying to to strengthen your relationship with God and, and get that understanding. But when you pray in diverse tongues, you are taking that to a whole new level and saying, I'm gonna stretch myself. I'm gonna stretch myself because I'm gonna pray in a tongue that I've never heard before, that I've never prayed before. I've got to reach in deep into the spirit and pull something out that's new, that's revelation. I'm going to try something that I've never tried, it's going to make me uncomfortable because because the way that my mouth works or is accustomed to based on the way I pray in the Spirit is not that I'm going to be praying in the Spirit in diverse tongues, and and I'm going to sound, this is how I feel, I'm going to sound foolish when I do it because it's going to feel like it's coming out of my natural mind. That's how I felt when I first started praying in tongues, just regular tongues. I thought, man, this is me. This is me just kind of making bubbly noises, blah, 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 blah right? That's, that's how we pray in the spirit. It's just me doing that. That's weird. I don't know about this. And, and I had to build my relationship and understand that, that, yes, it's my mouth that's moving. I'm the one forcing the thing to come out. But really what I'm doing is I'm submitting to God and saying, Lord, move through me. He will never puppet your mouth and make it move. He wants you to do it. Question. Okay, Siri. <laughs> Siri don't know. God's not going to move your mouth. You have to move your mouth. You have to submit to God and let it come out. Imagine doing that every single time and the, uh, the, the discomfort that comes from it. I'm going to learn a language called praying in the spirit, and then I'm going to do it again, and then I'm going to do it again, and then I'm going to do it again. That's diverse tongues. And, and the discomfort that you put in yourself makes you comfortable with the discomfort. Isn't that weird? You get comfortable being uncomfortable. And when you are uncomfortable is when God can stretch you and move you to new places. And when you are comfortable with that discomfort, man, then you're moving into something you new and you don't even know about it. You're not even worried about it. You're just doing it. That's exactly where God wants you to be. When I say go, you go. That's exactly where what God wants you to be. That's what the army does whenever they train soldiers. They break them. What you used to think before, you're not going to think that way. When I say get up and jump over that thing, you're going to get up and jump over that thing. Remember the story of the centurion? Again, it's not in here. I just thought of it. Remember that story of the centurion? Hey, Jesus, come. My, my servant, man, he needs healing. All right, yeah, let me, let me go to your house. Let me touch the guy. Let me, let me pray over him. Let me bless him we're going to make this right. No, no, th- Jesus, hey, thank you. I really appreciate that. But you just say the words, your servant is healed, and, and he'll be fine. Why? Because I understand authority. I understand that when I tell a man, go, he goes. And when I say, hey, you come here, he comes here. I understand that concept. So Jesus, I understand that you have authority. So you say to my servant, be healed right now. And he's going to be healed. And Jesus said, Wow. That's what I call faith. That's what I've been looking for. That, ladies and gentlemen, is diverse tongues. I need you to go when I say go. So I need you to practice diverse tongues. It's great to pray in the spirit. It's great to pray in the natural. You should be doing that. But what you really should be doing is investing in diverse tongues and making yourself uncomfortable. That's why we do this. That's why this is so powerful in the spirit. It's not a waste of time. It's you pushing the envelope of what you used to do in the past. I would say, though, be very careful. It's very easy for you to go into diverse tongues, and then when you switch to another diverse tongue, it's a diverse tongue that you already had maybe a week ago, and you just kind of flip through three or four. That's not diverse tongues, okay? That's just you flipping through your diverse tongues. You need to go Press the envelope of what you've done before. That is the concept of diverse tongues. We started preaching that, and people just up in arms. No, 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 that's not God. This is crazy. I don't believe in it. We got into then the concept of pneumonicos. and they came hand in hand. It wasn't a, a waterfall, if you will, but they came hand in hand. And pastor started speaking on pneumonicos. And here's where it comes from: First Corinthians 12:1, 1, one through three. Notice that it's all going backwards here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give unto you understand to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now concerning spiritual gifts, that word there is pneumatikos, and pastor... This church started to dive deep into what that really means. What is pneumatikos and how does it impact us? Well, it's the word spiritual. So so can't you just say that, you know, people are spiritual, I'm a spiritual person, I'm not really just, I'm spiritual. No, 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 this is different. Spiritual is the word pneumatikos. It comes from the word pneuma, which means breath. It, It is one that follows alongside with the wind of God. That's literally what that word means, pneumatikos to follow along with the wind. So we got into this concept of pneumonicos. and I remember very distinctly, because it made me very sad. As we were doing this, these things, fivefold, diverse tongues, pneumonicos, as we were doing them, um, I was asked to to speak at a church for, uh, I'm sorry, the school for one of our youth group members. So they they went to a Christian school. They said, hey, would you be willing to speak at, at our school in chapel? I said, absolutely. Um, so I, I went over and I spoke at their school, in their chapel. And, and at the time, this church was going through great controversy. People were very disgruntled, not happy with, with what was going on, didn't like these concepts. Um, the, the one kid who asked me to go and speak, their family was all on board. But it so happened that there was another family that was part of this church whose son also went to this school. And so after I spoke, and, and it was a very um, chapel-y type of message. Nothing revolutionary. Didn't talk about diverse tongues or anything. Um, after I spoke in that chapel, I, I came down, and, and that young man had a friend of his at the school, and both of them came right up to me. They were not in the youth group at the time. Uh, I was not the youth pastor at the time, but they came up to me and they said, um, "He said, why are you doing this?" what are you talking about? What, what is this, this word pneumatokos? I, I just don't get it. Why, why is the church doing this? He was so angry at me, even though I had not mentioned pneumatokos whatsoever in that particular sermon, uh, he was angry at the way that the church was moving in a new direction. And he was hearing all of this stuff from unfortunately his father, uh, who, is, who was a very prominent member of this church. But he had heard this stuff. He had heard the way that his father was talking, and he was receiving all of that negativity, and he came to me and started asking me about that particular situation. Why? 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 And, and so I, I had to take a step back and just in love share with him what I believed because at this point in time I was completely on board with what was being preached. Not, not that I'm not anymore, just, but at that time that's when I was really on board, um, when I started coming on board anyway. I told him, look, pneumonikos just means spiritual. It just means taking our relationship to the next level. It really means understanding the word of God and not just being passive in our relationship. And, And that really shut him down because what hadn't happened in his mind was someone talking to him about what this means and how it impacts his life. All he's hearing about is, my father hates this. My father doesn't want this to happen. My father wants this church to be what it was and not to move forward to something else. No one had taken the time to really help him understand what this means for him, how it impacts him, how great it can be, and and how if he didn't really want to, and obviously he doesn't, it doesn't have to be a part of his life. If you're going to be a part of this church, then yeah, it's probably going to be a part of your life. Obviously, they ended up leaving the church. I I have no idea where he is now or or what he's doing, but this, I remember that like it was yesterday. He came up to me and said, what is this uh, pneumatokos thing? that you're talking about, he was incest, incest by the concept that something new could happen in the church, that that, that something could be moving forward in your life when it comes to Christianity. Why is that so hard? Why do we want to step back and just say, look, I'm just going to be back here and I'm going to just enjoy my relationship with Christ by myself. You can absolutely do that. But, but why is this so hard to understand? Then we really got to understanding this particular thing right here. And this is where I'm gonna close. I've got two scriptures and we're gonna close after this. 1 Corinthians 14, follow after agape, translated charity here, and desire spiritual pneumatikos gifts, but rather that you may prophesy, hear the voice of the Lord and speak it forth. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, because no one understands him, because the Spirit is speaking mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto man to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all spoke with tongues. Speaking in tongues is awesome. But rather that you prophesied, that you took it to the next level and didn't make this relationship about just you and Christ, but 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 about you and edifying the church. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edification. That is the true nature of agape. When you love the Lord, you are not going to hold it to yourself. You're not going to keep this in. You're not going to say, oh, I love God, and I'm just going to go pray in this corner over here. I'm going to pray for you. Hey, this, this one's for you, but but it's over here. And it's by myself. And I'm not necessarily going to let you know that I'm doing this. I'm going I'm to pray in my closet like the Bible says. right? Pray in your closet and just don't let anybody know. That's not what it's saying, but that's how we think about it. I'm going to pray in my closet, not to let anybody know. I'm going I'm to pray in there and I'm going to go to town going after the Lord. But I'm not going to let anybody know about it. Not, not because I, I'm trying to be humble, but because I'm trying to keep this to myself. My relationship with God is my relationship with God. What, what the true purpose of agape, of love, of charity, that's this right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's not very long. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. If any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man agapes God, the same is known of him. As concerning things, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. There is no other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, demons, whatever, idols, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things, and we by him. I love that he did that. He was like, look, let me just... Reiterate here, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. and Their conscience being weak is defiled. There's, there's a thing, meat specifically here in this situation, that has been offered to an idol. It's been sacrificed. That cow was sacrificed to an idol. And and instead of burning the meat, they said, you know, let's, let's just portion it aside. The cow was given up unto Satan, but there's some meat here. Hey, would you like to eat this meat? People are saying, no, that meat was sacrificed to Satan. Why would I nourish my body with Satan meat? Doesn't make sense. I don't want Satan meat. I want holy meat. So they're saying that that offends me. That defiles me to eat or think about eating that type of meat. Verse 8, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man sees thee which has knowledge, sit at meat at the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat makes my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world stands, lest I make my brother to offend. This is what agape is all about. What is it about? It's not about you. It doesn't matter if you get offended by someone eating meat, or it doesn't matter if you offend someone by eating meat. What matters is how you think about your brother or sister in Christ when you do one or the other. So yes, you can eat meat sacrificed to idols. It's not gonna send you to hell. You can think that eating meat sacrificed to idols is gonna send you to hell. You're welcome to live that way. But at the end of the day, what agape is truly about is recognizing who you are who they are, and saying, I'm going to think about not myself, but my brother or sister. That's agape. That's understanding the purpose of God and understanding that God wants you to to take you to a higher place than you've ever been before. That's truly what being a saint is all about. It's definitely 100% not about you. It's about what you are willing to do to make sure that the kingdom is of God is edified, amplified, taken to that next level. What is your involvement in this? What do you consider yourself? I'll, I'll, again, I said it at the beginning, and I'll be very clear. You do not have to be a saint to go to heaven. We will see many people in heaven, thank the Lord, that, that we probably thought, man, I didn't, I didn't know you were going to make it because I live my life different than you live your life. And and I judge you. I'll admit that very freely. I judge people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, not going to make it. Not up to me. It's up to God, and I will be happy for that surprise. I'm not saying anybody specifically. I'm just saying in general. But as a saint, as a saint, you say, I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm not going to take you to the next level. I'm going to go to the next level. I wish that you would follow alongside me, but it's not my job to tell you what to do. It's my job to be an example of what you can be in in love and in purpose and and in understanding what God wants to accomplish. There are gifts and talents inside every single one of you that God wants to use. He wants you to go to the next level. But that is between you and the Lord. I I will pray and intercede that every single one of you do that. Until that time, I am going to do that. I will step forward and I will do what God has called me to do. That's what being a saint is all about. That's what what you all have committed to. I will take this to the next level. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you have called us, that you have chosen us, that you have predestined us, that you have put us in a position where we can be your people, called, chosen, chosen, taken to the next level we thank you for the revelation that you have brought to our leader to our pastor we bless him now but father as we as individuals continue on in this work that you have started in this church i pray that you bless us strengthen us take us to that next level help us to understand what our commitment is and what it means for us in our daily lives. Lord, not just when we come on Sunday, not when we come and intercede right before service, not when we just set aside some time in the closet. Every single day out there in front of the world, Lord, let us be the saints that you have called us to be. Let us rise up to that occasion and and submit ourselves to you. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all very much for being here this morning. Have a great Labor Day. Many many of you have the day off tomorrow. Uh, enjoy it. Have a great time. God bless you, and if you are able to help, uh, we'll be right up here to get this thing up on the stage. God bless you. Have a great day.